45 and verse number 20 this morning. Isaiah chapter 45. And verse number 20 this morning, we're going to look at a couple of verses. I want to talk to you this morning about one look. One look is all it takes. One look is all it takes. Verse 20 of Isaiah chapter 45 says, Assemble yourselves and come draw near together, that ye are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that step up of the wood of the graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save them. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time. Who hath told it from that time, have not I the Lord. And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. In verse 22, our text this morning. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for this wonderful truth that we can focus on this morning. Lord, I thank you that we can look to the Lamb of God. Lord, may we see the importance of that look this morning. Lord, I pray that you be glorified for our gathering here. Lord, I pray if there be one here that knows you not a Savior. Lord, maybe someone who's been in church their whole life, maybe their first time ever in the doors of a gathering like this. But Lord, if there be even one that knows not, without a shadow of a doubt that they are ready to stand before a holy God, that they've received the gift of eternal life, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would look to you for salvation. Lord, may we heed the teaching and truth of your word. May we be encouraged. God, help me this morning to teach you right and preach you right your truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Mr. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from Great Britain many years ago, the prince of preachers, was going to test out the acoustics in an auditorium that was being built, and he wasn't testing out a microphone like this or a, a headset like this. Rather, he was testing out what the acoustics sounded like back when they built buildings with the intent of the sound carrying. And as he was in there speaking, and if you will, preaching a bit to an empty building as workmen were working and finishing up that great tabernacle. Later... After that event, Mr. Spurgeon was called to the bed, the bedside of a dying man. That man was a workman in that building. That man had heard Mr. Spurgeon while Mr. Spurgeon was simply testing the acoustics. And that man was gloriously saved before he closed his eyes in death because he was able to look to Jesus. I want to look at three very simple thoughts this morning about one look. One look is all it takes. We're going to see in just a moment that one look brought condemnation. 
By the way, that's not good news. That's not the news I want to end on this morning, but I want us to see that. I want us to see number two this morning that one look, praise God, brought justification. And how wonderful, how, how brilliant that is. And I love also this morning, we're going to see as well, and we'll close with this thought, that one look, just one look brings sanctification. Would you take your Bibles and turn back to the Old Testament, to the very first book in the Bible, to Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to see with me here in the beginning of Genesis, the book of the beginnings. We see here the beginning of sin. One look here we see brought condemnation. We see Eve in the garden. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3. Notice in uh, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. And God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent, the devil, said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. She questioned the, he questioned the word of God. Verse 5, For God doth know in the day ye eat thereof that your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And I want you to notice very particularly verse 6. And when the woman saw, when the woman saw, that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Can I tell you that all it took, all it took was one look. All it took was for Eve to say, that looks good. I think I'm going to take it. One look, one look. The curse of judgment fell on mankind for man had sin. But that sin began with just one look. I won't ask you to turn there, but we could skip ahead to chapter 19 of Genesis. We could see a man named Lot. We could see his wife. We could see them as God would come and bring angels to get them to leave that wicked city, the city of Sodom. And as those angels told Lot and told his wife and his daughters, don't look back. Just go, just go. Don't look back. And yet his wife, the Bible records, looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. You see, all it took was one look. All it took was one look. Lot's wife looked back. Now nothing more than a salt lick in the desert. There was a man named Achan, a man who was a soldier in the army of Israel, a man who followed Moses and eventually Joshua, a man who would go into that great battle that the Lord would fight the battle against Jericho. As the walls would come tumbling down and those men would go in and obey the Lord, everything was to be taken. Everything was to be gathered, all the valuables taken into the house of the Lord. 
It was the tithe city, the first fruits. And yet the Bible tells us about a man named Achan. The Bible says of Achan, Achan saw. He saw among the spoils a shekel, silver and gold and a goodly Babylonian garment. He saw it and he took it. You see, one look. One look was all it took. One look for condemnation. We spent this morning in our adult Sunday school talking about David, King David. We've seen some wonderful things about David's walk of faith this morning, though. We saw David's temptation. We saw David's sin with Bathsheba. We, we, we examined that fall. Can I tell you when it happened? We read about it this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. And David went up on the roof of his house and he saw. He saw Bathsheba bathing. There was a chain reaction that happened. He sinned with Bathsheba. He ended up trying to cover up his sin with his, her husband. He had her husband killed. Then he married Bathsheba. The baby was born. The baby died. And we saw a great long chain of events of hurt and pain in David's family because of one look. Just one look. Just one look at what he should not have looked at. Can I tell you, there are many families around our city today who are falling apart because of one look. There are broken homes, maybe some represented here this morning, that happened as a result of one look. There are ruined testimonies that come from one look. You see, one look's all it takes. One look that starts a chain reaction. We have to stop that chain reaction. Christian, we need to realize the importance of staying faithful to our God. We need to realize the importance of every little thing. We look at such a small thing. Oh, it's just a look. Not a big deal. I can handle it. It's just a look. But one look. One look often is all it takes. There's a loving God in heaven looking down upon you this morning. Those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you that you have a loving Heavenly Father. It may be this morning that you didn't have a good relationship with your earthly father. It may be this morning that you're looking through the lens, through the filter of maybe an absent father. Maybe a, what you'd say, Pastor, I had a bad father. Or maybe, and you're saying, my heavenly father, is he like my dad? Maybe this morning, say, Pastor, I had a great dad, a great relationship with my dad. No matter how bad or how good your relationship with your earthly father, can I tell you that your heavenly father is much better? 
He's perfect. He's holy. Altogether. And he cares for you. He's concerned for you. He, he, he wants the best for you. We need to guard. We need to be guarded. We need to guard our eyes. The Bible says, set no wicked thing before me. We need to be careful about what we see. Why? Because all it takes is one look. I want to give you some good news this morning, number two, and this is the, this is the meat of the message. This is the, the reason we come to this thought this morning. And I want you to turn in your Bibles in the Old Testament to Numbers. Numbers chapter 21. Some of you here this morning, it's your favorite book of the Bible. You accountants. Uh, See, so yeah, Pastor, Pastor the, the Lord cares about numbers. He loves me the most. There's a whole book about it. Some of you like, Pastor, I really hate that book of the Bible. I don't like numbers. Numbers chapter 21, I want you to look at verse 8. I'm going to read this verse, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the placement here. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it... Notice that phrase, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Now let me give you a little background. God's people had sinned. They, they had sinned and God sent among them fiery serpents. And they were bitten. How many have ever been bitten by a snake before? Am I the only one here? Man. Uh, I, got, I got bitten one time, five times by the same snake. Brother Maud, you know you're stupid when you let a snake bite you five times. I didn't get hurt, but I was digging a footer for a big building for my uncle, and it was during a drought, and it was, oh, it was a miserable, miserable job. I was chipping the clay. I couldn't dig with a shovel. I was chipping, and it was very, very hot and had been very dry. The ground was cracking open, and there was this big black snake. Now, I, I'm not a snake fan. Like, I don't like snakes. Like, I if you say, Pastor, would you like a pet snake? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I, have, I have played with snakes. I'm not a snake handler. I want to put that out there, Brother Ahmad. I am not a snake handler. Uh, but I, I, have, I hand-fed a ball python one time. I know some of you that are petrified of snakes, that scare you to death. But I, I don't have a real serious fear of snakes, but I don't like them. They're definitely not even on my top 100 favorite creatures God made. I, if they were all gone, it wouldn't bother me a whole lot. They creep me out a little bit. But growing up, I grew up around snakes. We had snakes, lots of snakes where I'm from. Here, praise the Lord, we don't have many snakes. All of our snakes here, uh, they're over uh, the legislature building. The rest of them are nowhere else. But <laughs> we, uh, we had lots of snakes where I'm from. And we had... Copperhead snakes, they're, they're, they're venomous, they're poisonous. We had uh, eastern diamondback rattlesnakes, they're poisonous. We had cottonmouth snakes, and they're very poisonous. So we had those three main poisonous snakes, and I think there may have been a couple others, but we had lots of other snakes. We had 
rat snakes and black snakes and cow snakes and we had, you name it, we had a lot of snakes. Now, one good thing about snakes, snakes like eating mice and rats. And we have rats where I'm from too. I know we don't have, supposedly don't have them here. And I won't talk about the legislature building again. That's just not, just not fitting. But anyway, I, I was taught growing up, you don't kill a black snake. Even if you hate snakes, you don't kill a black snake because they eat a lot of rats and mice. Maybe some of you may have grown up around part of the world where that's the case. You left them alone because they did their job. They, they, did, they don't bother people normally. Uh, they just eat the vermin you don't want. They're a good snake to have around. So I saw this black snake, big black snake, near me as I'm chipping on this stuff. And it was hot, and the snake was crazy. I didn't realize it. And I took the snake, and I, with a shovel, I flipped it up. It was, it was probably a six-foot-long black snake, and I kind of just flipped it away from me, like, get away. I've got to do my job here. And I'm going along, and the next thing I know, smack! And that, that snake bit my boot. Now, that time, the teeth didn't come through the leather of my boot, but it hit my boot, and I shook it off, and I kicked it away. I said, you stupid snake, get out of here. Now, looking back, I should have killed it, but I was like, in my mind, you're not supposed to kill black snakes. It's just, you know, it's a hot day. It's dog days of summer. This snake is crazy. Get away from me. That snake kept coming back. Eventually, after the third or fourth time it bit me, the teeth went through a little bit through my boot, and uh, it wasn't bad. I got They're not poisonous anyway. And at that point, I removed his head from his body. You know what happened after that? That snake stuck, struck me five or six more times, brother of mine. No head on it. That body kept coming and hitting me like it was going to bite me, but there was nothing there. Uh, that snake was coming at me from beyond the grave. Uh, but there were the snakes that came in among God's people, and these were not black snakes. They were not some common snake. They were not a snake that were common to the desert. These were snakes that God sent. And these snakes were not just poisonous. These snakes, God told them, that everyone who was bitten by that snake would die. It's not, okay, there's a percentage of you will die, some of you will make it. Some, no, if you're bitten, you will die. Absolutely no question about it. Moses went to God. Moses prayed and said, God, you got to save our people. God, what can I do? And we have the answer God gave him here in Numbers chapter 21 and verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, Make thee a fire serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. But rather than looking at that very familiar verse, verse 16, I want you to look ahead a couple of verses. At John 3, verse 14, it says in verse 14, before, of course, the very famous verse 16, two verses previous, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
All of those that were bitten by that snake, those fiery serpents, and by the way, everyone was. They had a choice. God took, God told Moses to take and to form a fiery serpent and to place it on a pole and to hold that pole up in the midst of the congregation. What were they supposed to do? What was the purpose? By the way, God didn't tell the people, look on the pole. God didn't say, hey, look at the pole. That wasn't the purpose. They were to look at the serpent. Can I tell you this morning that that serpent was nothing more than a picture of the Savior that would be nailed to a pole, to a cross, and lifted up between heaven and hell for you and me. There are many today that would try to argue that there are relics left from the cross that Jesus died on. The Catholic Church claims to have a piece of the cross. There's a lot of other things they lie about too. But they don't have a piece of the cross. But if they did, can I tell you the wood? If that sliver they said was a piece of that cross is no more valuable than that piece of wood right here. No more valuable than the wood under this platform that I stand on. Because all it was was a piece of wood. We don't worship the cross. We don't worship the implement that lifted our Savior up. The cross is a reminder for us of what Jesus did, but can I tell you, the cross itself has no redeeming capability for you or for me. It was the Savior on that cross. The Bible said that they had to look. By the way, Moses was a godly man. Moses was a spiritual leader. Moses was the man that God called. And Moses may have been, I don't know, Moses may have been the one that held up that pole in the wilderness. I don't know if it was Moses. It may have been. But whether it was Moses or not, God did not tell the people, you look to Moses. They could have looked to Moses all they wanted and they would not have been healed. They would have died from the bite. There was only one answer. And it was one look is all it took. And it was looking to the serpent. Looking to what God told them to look to. There are many today. Many today that want to look at the wrong thing. There are maybe those that were bitten by the serpent that could have said, oh, I'm going to look back to what God did. I'm going to look back to the miracle of the cross in the Red Sea. Many that were there were alive and walked across on dry ground. They remembered that miracle, but that miracle that God did was not the answer for them to look to to save them. There are many today in our world who are looking to the wrong thing. Maybe this morning, you have looked to the wrong thing. There may be those that are looking to a church for salvation. Can I tell you that no church, no church, including Cornerstone Baptist Church, including whatever fill-in-the-blank church you want to put in there, there is no church that you can look to for salvation. It's not the an- this, this church is not the answer for salvation for you. By the way, neither is any other church. There are many today that are 
looking to the waters of baptism for salvation. Can I tell you that baptistry will not, cannot, and will never get you to heaven. If you go into that baptistry lost without Christ and go into the water, you'll, came up, you'll come up just a wet, lost person. You can be baptized until you grow gills, uh, if you believe in the fallacy of evolution, uh, and you'll still be just a wet sinner. I can look to religious things, but that's not the right thing to look at. You can look to your confirmation. Maybe you say, Pastor, but I, I, I'm looking back. I, I was confirmed. I did this. I, have, I, I, I took communion. I, I did this thing. Can I tell you, if you're looking to those things, it's the wrong look. It will not, cannot save you. There's some looking to saints. Maybe looking to Mary. Maybe looking, maybe there are some looking to their own morality. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I've asked the question to thousands upon thousands and thousands of people in my life. This question, I ask it to you this morning. If you died today, do you know 100% sure that you go to heaven? When I've asked folks that question, I've had many people say to me this answer. Oh, yeah, I'm a good person. Now we laugh. But can I tell you, there are many people in our world. But that's what they're looking to. I'm a good person. I'm, I've never, I'm not a murderer. I've, ne I've never robbed a bank. I, I'm, I've never cheated on my wife. I... I, I I'm honest, I, I do good things, I'm a good person. Can I tell you that's the wrong thing? I praise God for every moral person in our community. I, I know some very moral people here in this community here, and I praise God for them. I can think of a businessman here on this street, a businessman that I have known for 18 years, almost 17 and a half years. He's a good man, he's a moral man. I've sent many people to him because he's honest. I appreciate his morality. I appreciate that he is a good man. But can I tell you, his goodness will not get him to heaven. He's a man who is moral, but a man who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you're looking. Maybe you've been hanging on to that morality. There are those that are looking to sincerity. So a preacher, I think, as long as you're sincere. God knows. I remember sitting in my, the kitchen in my grandmother's house. My grandmother was a born-again lady. I remember sitting and talking with her one day, and, and we were chatting about this particular thing when I was a teenager. And my grandmother said about those that did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, well, I, I think, you know, there are a lot of people that they're, they're sincere. and You know, God knows they're sincere. I love my grandmother, but she was wrong about that. 
uh, grandmother knew the Lord Jesus Christ, but she thought, oh, I think in her hope, she thought, oh, I think that God will look the other way if someone is sincere. Can I tell you that I wish that were true? I do. I wish I could tell you honestly and stand before you honestly and say, God just looks to see if you're sincere. It doesn't matter what you believe, but I'd be lying to you. I, I, I couldn't do it in honesty. I would have to do it in feigned truth because I can't look at sincerity. We, the song I sang a moment ago, look to the Lamb of God. For He alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. Dear friend, this morning, can I tell you one look is all it takes? One look is all it takes. Maybe you've looked or been looking at the wrong thing. Maybe you're hanging your hope of eternity on something else. May I say to you this morning, if you have never looked to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Lamb of God, the only one. In our passage there, it tells us in the, uh, in the Old Testament we saw in Isaiah, God said, there's no one else. I'm it. There, there's no one else. There's no one else to look to. We have to look to the Lamb of God. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. This morning, I want to share one more thought with you, but before I do, can we stop just for a moment? Could I ask every person in this room to seriously, soberly consider this one thought? What have you looked to? What are you hanging on to? The reality is one day, and we don't know when that day will be, one day your life will end. One day, that heart that beats in your chest will stop beating. When that day happens, would you consider with me this, this morning just for a moment What's going to happen to you? We read about two men that died. A man we know simply as the rich man. We don't even know his name. In the world's economy, everyone knew his name. But God didn't even give us the name. Because his name didn't matter. Simply the rich man. And another man that no one else in the whole world knew his name, I'm sure, other than he's a leper. He's a beggar. His name was Lazarus. God gave us his name. The Bible tells us about those two men. The Bible says that one was carried by the angels in death. The other, it says, in hell... He opened up his eyes, being in torment. What's the difference? Was it because one guy was rich and because he was rich, he deserved hell? Was it because one guy was a beggar and because he was a beggar, he deserved good? No. 
Doctrine doesn't teach that in the Word of God. You see, the Bible teaches, for all have sinned and come ashore of the glory of God. All of us, if we get what we deserve when our eyes close in death, as those two men did, we would wake like the rich man and in hell open up our eyes. What's the difference between being carried by the angels to being in hell and lifting up your eyes, being in torments? One look. One look. Has there been a time when you've looked to the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? I'm not talking about looking to Him and your religion. I'm not talking about looking to Him and church membership. I'm not talking about looking to Him and some other religious work or some good thing. And if you can get those things together, no, I'm talking about looking to Jesus alone. Has there been a time when you personally looked to the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted what He did alone for salvation? One look. One look's all it takes. If you don't know Him this morning, would you look to Him today? By the way, so Pastor, I don't know how to look to Christ. The end of our message this morning, I'll give you a chance to come and let someone sit down and share with you what the Bible says, how you can look to the Lord Jesus Christ before you leave this place today. Don't leave without looking to Him. Lastly, number three this morning, one look. One look brings sanctification. Would you turn to the book of Matthew? The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. We'll look at verse number 8. Let's go back a little bit. Let's, let's start in verse 5. This is Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's look in verse 5 and of chapter 17. And while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And I want you to notice these next two verses. And Jesus came... And touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. In verse 8, and when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Save Jesus only. These men were never the same. Never the same after this instance. They took their eyes off of everything and everyone else and put their eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Before that, they were saying, hey, let, 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 let's have a tabernacle, one to him and, and one to him and one to you and let's worship all these people. And then after that, they saw Jesus only. It was the focus of that one look. The focus of their life on Jesus Christ. 
that made all the difference, Christian. Can I encourage you this morning to look to Jesus Christ? Not just for salvation, but would you look to him at every instance of your life? By the way, they weren't looking to Moses anymore. They were looking to Jesus. They weren't looking to Elijah anymore, the prophets. They were looking to Jesus. There was nothing else that distracted them. They were looking to Jesus. Dr. Lee Robertson, a great preacher from years ago, I had the privilege of getting to know him a little bit as a, young, as a teenager. Dr. Robertson made this statement many, many times. I heard him make it at least two or three times personally. Keep your eyes off people. That man had much wisdom to share, but probably one of the greatest truths of wisdom he ever shared. Keep your eyes off people. Because when I get my eyes on people, I get them off of Jesus Christ. You see, one look, the look to Jesus Christ, brings sanctification, that focus. By the way, they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Think about that. They didn't see the mountain anymore. They saw Jesus. They had just seen the miracle of Moses, and a lot, but they didn't see that anymore. They saw Jesus. They saw their goal. They saw their challenge. They saw their truth. They saw their light. And that was to be like Jesus. Christian, those of you that have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, those of you that can remember a time when you looked to Him as your Savior, What's your goal? What are you looking to? What's your life all about? Is it about looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Or is it looking unto the world? Looking unto my desire. Looking unto what I have to have next. Looking at anything else except Jesus. One look. One look is all it takes. This morning, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you? Can I, can I do more than encourage? Can I beg with you? Would you look to the Lamb of God today? Would you look to Him? Would you call on Him as your Savior? Dear friend, if you say, Pastor, I... I'm a believer. I've trusted Christ. I know I'm saved. If that's the case this morning, would you look to Him in your life? Look to Him as you were your children. Look to Him in your marriage. Look to Him in your business life. Look to Him in your devotional life. Look to Jesus Christ. Keep Him as the focus. Paul said that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. I press towards the mark, the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, my focus, my goal, I want to be single in my look and I want to see Jesus Christ.
By the way, Christian, part of your job and my job as a believer is to get other people to look to Jesus. By the way, this afternoon, I'm going to talk about being free in Christ, free to lead other people to that freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Vital truth you don't want to miss tonight. But this morning, would you look to Jesus? Let's pray together. Lord, I pray if there be one here that is unsure, even just a little bit, about their salvation, about their eternal destination after they quit breathing on planet Earth. Lord, I pray this morning that they would look to Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would be willing to come and let someone open the perfect word of God with them to show them and share with them how they can call on you, look to you today. Lord, I pray for believers here this morning. I pray that we would look to Jesus alone. Lord, I pray that we would put aside and turn away from all the things that distract us, all those things that turn us away. Lord, I pray that you would keep us focused on Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to look. Lord, it may be that that one look of sin has led to some disaster some brokenness, some hurt in our life, our relationships, our families. Lord, I pray if that's the case, I pray that we would run to that wonderful passage in 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins, knowing you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that those that may have struggled with some look that's caused issues in their life, Lord, I pray that maybe this morning, they would come to this altar and pray as David did, O Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, would you work in hearts. Lord, help decisions to be made that would honor you and glorify you. Thank you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Royce, would you come lead us in a song of invitation this morning? And let's turn to number 294, just as I am. And let's stand together. Hymn number 294. Just as I am without one plea, but thy blood was shed.
we close our invitation, understand that looking at Jesus is never closed until it's too late. If you're here this morning, it's not too late. Would you look to him? I encourage you before we do close in prayer, remind you about our service this afternoon at 4 o'clock, our fellowship following. We plan on bringing something tonight. We'll have a fellowship meal after the service. And then also, too, our sign-up there, you can use the QR code. If you're struggling with that, please see me uh, for all the different opportunities. If you need to find a way to access, to sign in, to uh, get connected, our, our young people with our uh, teen activity or with our music, all those things, uh, please see me about that if I can help you. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, for loving us so much that you would leave the glory and splendors of heaven, that you would come knowing that you would be rejected, knowing that you would be crucified, that you came for me, you love me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lord, I thank you for that love. I thank you for that look that I, when I, the day as a young person, when I looked to you as my savior, I thank you that it was enough. Lord, I thank you Pray you to help me, Lord, as I endeavor to look to you as I live my Christian life to honor you. Lord, bless us and help us today. Bring us back as we gather this afternoon. Lord, may you be glorified in all things. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.